When the truth is, the subsidies that then got removed were the very thing that was needed to incentivize the substantial investments up front that needed to be made to bring these plants into existence in the first place. Welcome to the Brattle Exchange, where we explore critical economic, financial, and accounting topics with Brattle experts and influential voices from industry and academia. It's hosted by the Brattle Group, a global consulting firm that tackles complex economic, financial, and regulatory questions for corporations, law firms, and governments around the world. So we're here today in a conversation between me. I'm Richard Caldwell, principal of the Brattle Group, uh, based out of the London office, been with the firm over 20 years, and I am currently the head of our global arbitration practice. And I'm here with my colleague. Hi, Richard. This is Jose Antonio Garcia. Been at Prado for about 15 years now. I'm the director of the Madrid office, and I've been working with Richard in uh, arbitration, proceeding and damage calculations uh, for more than a decade now. Okay, so uh, today we're uh, talking about uh, international arbitration and its interaction with EU state aid uh, law, and in particular, we're looking. At, we're going to be talking about the case of Anton Infrastructure, who uh, was an investor in renewable power plants in Spain. Now. First question for you, Jose, it's arbitration and state aid are two separate spheres of law. So what's the link? What connects these two things? In the last years, several arbitral awards have uh, deemed unlawful the withdrawal of subsidies by different European member states and have granted compensation to investors. One of these investors is the Antan investor concerning the Spanish renewable investment. Another pretty relevant case is the Mikula case and the Mikula war that concerned uh, Romanian food and drinks uh, producer. Uh, the European Commission have analyzed those awards and has concluded that the compensation awarded constitute uh, state aid. And as such, it requires the commission approval. In the case of uh, Mikula, the commission have concluded that the award constitute illegal and compatible state aid and has opposed the payment. And in the case of the Antan, in November 2021, the Commission initiated an investigation, and it has not expressed a final conclusion, but it has already expressed preliminary doubts about the compatibility of the award on state aid grounds. Let's focus in on the Antan case, the second one of those two ones that you mentioned. Now, that uh, is one of a big series of cases. There's uh, probably over 50, I think, are international arbitration between investors and Spain concerning changes in renewable subsidies to renewable energy. Uh, so can you, those cases you and I have been heavily involved in over the past 10 years. So can you tell us a bit more about what those, are re those cases are really about? what gives rise to the, the investor claims and, uh, and how arbitration tribunals have seen them. So the, the 2007 regime in Spain was a complete success. It attracted significant investment, mainly as a result of the increase in the financial support by Spain 
previous uh, feeding tariff schemes approved by Spain were not were not successful. Well, it didn't allow Spain to reach to the long-term renewal targets, and it was only as a result of the new scheme approved in 2007 that finally Spain was in line with those uh, mandated targets by the European Commission. In fact, in 2008, the European Commission analyzed this scheme. It claimed that this regime was the, among the most effective and efficient financial supports in the whole Europe and encouraged other member states to uh, apply uh, similar regimes to the one Spain has implemented. Everything was fine until 2010, 2013, when Spain, in the context of the economic and financial crisis that started in 2008, decided to reconsider that financial support scheme and indeed uh, decided to dismantle those uh, subsidies and consequently it reduced significantly the, the financial support affecting not only the new plans, but also and particularly the existing plans. And TAN was affected by this significant reduction of the fitting tariff scheme and initiated arbitration proceeding against uh, Spain as another more than 50 investors, international investors that have also initiated arbitration proceedings in Spain. And tribunals, isn't it correct, Jose, that tribunals in these cases have generally found that the withdrawal of the 2007 subsidy regime uh, has amounted to a breach of one of an international treaty, which is uh, the Energy Charter Treaty, which will be familiar to many uh, of our listeners in the legal community. But that's an international treaty between a multilateral treaty, which commits states to provide fair and equitable treatment to international investors from other uh, signatory states and to avoid things like expropriation uh, of their assets. And so tribunals have found the withdrawal of the subsidy regime for renewables in Spain to represent a breach because investors were enticed to invest uh, on the basis of promises of subsidy payments, which then Spain revoked later on. And many of those awards, including the Anton Award, in that particular case, have involved substantial damages findings by the tribunals. So I, I think the kind Spain now uh, owes more than uh, a billion euros under uh, these uh, awards to various different uh, investors, um, including this particular case of Anton. So, Jose, is there anything particularly interesting or particularly different about the Anton Award compared to this wider series of cases? You know, what, what, what's the specifics? The specific of this case, uh, just to give you a flavor, Antan invested about $127 million in uh, thermal solar plants uh, back in 2011-2012, basically uh, based on, on the promise of Spain to uh, grant uh, a financial support scheme that basically represented an allowance for each megawatt hour produced for these thermal plants for the entire lifetime of these assets that typically thought that the lifetime of these uh, thermal solar plants uh, is between 30 to 40 years. Uh, on this basis, Antan invested uh, this significant amount of money, as I said, around, if I don't remember wrongly, around 127 million. It then held uh, those plans for about 10 years. They basically received uh, no dividends during the whole pre-2013 
until they decided to sell these assets, and mainly as a result of the significant cut in financial support approved by Spain in 2013. And then it sold the interest in these plants uh, in question for about, I think it was around 70 million. So there was a significant reduction in the value of these assets as a result of the disputed measures. And the war granted, uh, rendered a positive award for them then. And the idea of the war was to compensate for this loss of the dividends and the loss in value that Antan inspected when they decided, when Antan decided to invest in, in, in this asset. Of course, if Antan had known from the start uh, that the Spain was going to withdraw the, the financial support that he has uh, promised from the outset, they could have probably, they would have never decided to invest in Spain or otherwise they could have decided to invest in another type of technology. Yeah, so here's my question. You know, so we're talking about damages awards to Anton and others in relation to the withdrawal of the promised support in Spain. Um, are damages awards usually considered to be stated under European law? How did the commission reach that conclusion? How did it get there? No, they are, they are usually not considered state aids. In order to be considered state aids, or compensation of that is to be considered state aids, two conditions uh, will need to be met. Uh, the first condition is that the compensation compensate for, for something that was state aid in the first place. That's the first condition that needs to be met. The second condition is that the original aid was unlawful, and it becomes unlawful, for example, when the member state did not notified to the commission the original case. In this particular case, we know as a fact that Spain did not notify the original regime, the 2007 regime to the commission. And on this basis, the commission now claims that the award, the compensation to Antan, need to be assessed on the state aid grounds by the European Commission. Just to follow that through, the idea here is that the original 2007 support scheme that, for renewable energy that uh, Spain brought in, it failed to notify the Commission uh, for state aid purposes. And because Spain failed to notify the Commission, now the Commission finds that a damages award that relates to the withdrawal of that scheme itself constitutes state aid and needs to be considered uh, under EU state aid law. That's correct. And this is an interesting case because Spain did indeed notify the 2013 regime that overhauled the, the original regime back in 2007. The commission assessed the so-called the new regime, 2013 regime, and considered that regime compatible with the state aid. The commission never had the opportunity to assess 2007 regime on the state aid grounds precisely because Spain unlike the 2013 regime, Spain did not notify the 2007 regime to the European Commission. But earlier you said the Commission had been positively evaluating the, two, the original 2007 scheme to support renewable energy and saying it was an efficient scheme um, and that it should be copied elsewhere in Europe. So is that correct? That's right. They say not only that it was inefficient, it was an, it was, it, they, they specifically defined the Spanish regime as one of the most efficient and effective regimes to attract 
investment, renewable investment at the lowest possible cost for consumers. And it encouraged other member states to follow the German and the Spanish scheme to promote uh, renewable investments. So the commission knew about the scheme in the 2007 scheme when it was brought in, in other words, approved of it, but not, but the formal notification of that scheme for state aid purposes was the responsibility of Spain and Spain hadn't notified it at the time. It, it, that's the factual background. That's, that's a fair description. The commission every year was assessing the different schemes uh, all across Europe. It definitely knew about the Spanish scheme. It definitely assessed the Spanish scheme. Let's put it that way. It probably uh, could say that it assesses in an informal way precisely because Spain never required a formal assessment on state aid grants. It did so with respect to the 2013 regime that overhauled the 2007 regime, but it not, did not did it. Uh, not do it in, in back in 2007. Somehow it's not strange because you wouldn't be surprised to know that other members of state follow uh, Spain's pattern, meaning uh, they didn't ask for uh, a formal assessment of their feeding tariff regimes back in time, probably because of that time, member states thought that there was not a need to a formal assessment. That thought changed over time. And it was only after 2011 that it became pretty clear to member states that uh, new feeding tariff schemes require formal notification from the European Commission on state grants. Said so that we know that other schemes were not notified, like the Spanish scheme, and the European Commission never saw a big problem. They regretted the fact, exposed, but they were fine with that. Probably they were, they were convinced by the, form, by the informal assessment that they had been running. So let, let's talk a bit more about the EU position on renewable support, support schemes and state aid uh, law. Now, I would have thought that the Commission and member states, uh, such as Spain, would have been seeking and would have desired to promote renewable energy investments, and that government uh, support schemes have been critical to incentivizing those investments all across Europe. Uh, that's right, isn't it? That's the general policy position. Yeah. I mean, generally, the European Commission and the member states implicitly accepted that uh, financial support schemes to renewables definitely were needed and definitely the potential and significant benefits of these type of uh, incentives somehow offset any, any potential drawback. Uh, and that was the perception back in time. Almost every single feeding tariff scheme that it was formally or informally assessed by the European Commission received the approval of the European Commission on the state grounds. Well, and isn't it right that the European Commission has developed following uh, the 97 Kyoto Protocol, the Commission developed guidelines for the assessment of renewable support schemes. Uh, you're right. In fact, in 2001, the European Commission had already published the first set of guidelines. These guidelines were updated in subsequent years. More specifically, we have a first update in 2008, second update in 2014, and then the last update uh, was approved in 2022. The test of the economic test behind this assessment was pretty much common in all this set of guidelines. It, it fundamentally 
represent a balancing exercise between potential distortions of uh, trade and competition between member states versus the positive effects of the achievement of the, of the climate targets. So bottom line, each of these guidelines reflect this idea that in order to assess these support schemes, you need to consider on the one hand, potential distortion of competition and trade between member states. On the other hand, the significant environmental benefits of these types. The general consensus is that all, all the positive uh, environmental benefits heavily outweigh the potential drawbacks in terms of uh, distortion of competition. And as a result, it was almost automatically that all these schemes were approved. Yeah. So there's a presumption, isn't there, that renewable energy is a socially desirable goal that reduces carbon emissions. It's a key part of European commitments to meeting its climate and emissions goals. And so renewable investment is a good thing. So if support schemes, if they're incenting renewable investment, which we as a community desire, uh, these support schemes are doing something good for the European community. Now, the tests of whether there's a distortion are mine to the, the, the key tests are the incentive effect and proportionality. And Jose, I'm going to ask you now what the incentive effect is all about. So let me put you in context. This balancing test that I mentioned presumed that the financial support to renewables has limited uh, distortional effects if it basically meets three, what they call it, compatibility conditions. One is that they must promote the production of electricity from renewable sources. This is called the promotion test. The second one, which is the one that you have just mentioned, that is, is definitely the most critical one of all of them, is that it must have an incentive to his beneficiaries. And that means that it changed the behavior to increase the production of electricity from renewable sources. And the third compatibility condition is that it should not overcompensate uh, renewable investors. As you mentioned, you clearly mentioned the incentive effect. Uh, one of the, the key elements in the in the Antan preliminary decision by the European Commission, mainly because the Commission believes, or at least signals some preliminary doubts, that the compensation of the award uh, will not necessarily have a, an incentive effect on Antan. In meaning that it will not change the behavior of Antan, or otherwise, let's put it that way, that Antan doesn't need that award in order to produce renewable generation from the thermal solar plants. They would produce it no matter what. Even without the compensation, the production of these plants will remain basically the same. Now, before we come to the Commission's assessment of the Antan award, I want to ask you a slightly different question, which is, I realize you've been talking about, for example, Spain didn't notify the 2007 scheme at the time to the commission. Other member states also didn't notify their support schemes, but some did. There was a difference of opinion across Europe at that point about whether support schemes needed to be notified or not to the commission. Some member states did, some member states didn't. But the position only clarified about notifying new member states, I think you said earlier, after 2011. Now, my question is, some states notified their renewable support schemes in the same period of time that Spain was bringing in its 2007 support scheme, so around 2007. 
there are some decisions out there from the commission on what is compatible uh, state aid in terms of a renewable support scheme. Now, what can we learn from those decisions? First, I want to mention that basically all of them were approved by the commission. All the schemes that were approved around the same time as the 2007 Spanish scheme have been approved and almost automatically. We can signal a couple of them in which the commission only signals some minor changes that need to be approved. But in general terms, all of them were approved by the European Commission, including those ones that informally were not notified. The commission never asked to stop those regimes. It never asked to introduce reform in those regimes that were notified. And so can I follow that up? All of the schemes that got notified got approved by the commission for studied purposes. What would have happened had Spain actually notified the 2007 scheme when it brought it in uh, for studied purposes? How would the commission have reacted? We honestly think that the commission would have declared compatible the scheme. No doubt about it. I think it's clear that the regime did not distort competition. It rather solved what economists would call it the, the market failure, which is the fact that the price of electricity didn't include within the social benefits for, for the society and the social costs uh, caused by the fossil fuels. In that sense, we would argue that the incentive indeed solved that market failure. The market was distorted and the scheme solved that. So that's the first element. It didn't distort competition. Second, it clearly induced substantial investment, renewal investment after 2007. In 2008, Spain became the largest market of photovoltaic sector in the world. The amount of investment in, in Spain heavily outweighed investments in any other country in the world. Well, and isn't it true, Jose, that Antin invested in thermal solar plants? Spain had zero thermal solar plants prior to 2007. And it was only in the aftermath of the 2007 support scheme that Spain began to attract material quantities of thermal solar, including the very plant that Antin invested in. And that, that's totally correct. Basically, apart from some pilot programs in California in relation to thermal solar plants, there was no single investment around the world in thermal solar plants at the time. After the implementation of the 2007 scheme, Spain attracted significant investment in thermal solar plants, including Antan. And by the end of 2012, more than 2,500 megawatts of thermal solar plants have been, have been implemented in Spain, unlike in any other part of, of the world. So it's clear, it's obvious. It was, it was defined like that by the European Commission back in 2008, that the Spanish scheme was extremely efficient and effective in, in promoting renewable investment. And it, it, it clearly gave an incentive effect. It has a significant, it had a significant effect in Spain. And isn't it true that the 2007 scheme in Spain also targeted returns to investors at levels which were comparable to those being approved by the Commission schemes elsewhere in Europe? That was going to be my, my, my last message. You're totally right. We can conclude that it did not overcompensate investors because uh, when you compare uh, the target returns approved by the European Commission in, in other European markets, 
consistent. Uh, we're totally consistent with, with the returns that investors uh, were offered in Spain. Or indeed, the European Commission clearly approved schemes that provide even higher returns than the ones provided in Spain. Just to give you an idea, the implicit return embedded in the in the feeding tariff scheme back in 2007 was about 7 to uh, 11% uh, post-tax uh, target returns. Uh, we have seen on a regular basis the European Commission to approve schemes that give the, the opportunity to investors in other European countries to achieve target returns well above 12%. So uh, target returns between 7 to 11% were, were common all around Europe, and it was common for the European Commission to approve all those schemes. So we don't find any basis to conclude that the European Commission would have declared that the, the feeding tariff scheme back in 2007 somehow overcompensated investors in Spain. So in other words, what we have here is a situation where we've got a 2007 support scheme brought in by Spain, which incentivized uh, investment in renewable energy that was successful in tr attracting significant quantities of all types of renewables, all of the main types, I should say, PV, uh, wind, thermal solar, uh, some hydro, it was successful at doing that, so it clearly had an incentive effect. It also was proportional in the sense that the returns in consideration were consistent with those elsewhere. And so highly likely, if not a certainty, that had that scheme been notified to the commission at the time, uh, it would have been approved. And then had it been notified and approved, we would not be in the place we are today with the commission viewing a damages award relating to the withdrawal of the subsequent withdrawal of that scheme. We wouldn't be in a place where the commission would felt it necessary to review a damages award for state aid and then to declare that it's got preliminary doubts. You're totally right. And this is really important because once uh, the commission assess a particular scheme and declare that the scheme compatible, as we think the European Commission would have declared the 2007 regime had Spain notified, the commission cannot reconsider a compensation award on the basis of, a, of this original regime, uh, meaning that it cannot reassess a decision. If the original regime is declared compatible, the compensation awarded on the basis of those original feeding tariff screen, by default, needs to be declared compatible. The problem here is that, as you mentioned, Spain never notified, the European Commission didn't have the chance to declare compatible that regime. And as a result, now it considers that it needs to assess not the original regime, but to the award that was the basis, that was based on the original regime. But clearly, had the Commission analyzed the 661 regime, we think it would have declared compatible. And then the implication of that is that the Antana War would have been declared also compatible. Join us for the next part of our discussion on the impact of EU state decisions on investment treaty awards. Our next episode will focus on the basis for the Commission's preliminary doubts about the Antana War and the wider implications about the Commission's preliminary doubts. Our discussions are based on a book chapter that has been published in the Investment Treaty Arbitration Review in June 2023, which we have linked in the show notes. 